Welcome to Founder Files, where we talk about what goes into building a nonprofit from the ground up. I'm your host, Jen, founder of Walking with Giants Foundation, here to share my story and the stories of others on this incredible journey. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking to a very special guest, Melissa Burton, who gives us a look into her journey from nonprofit founder to her Oscar-winning documentary and beyond. If the name sounds familiar, that's probably because it is. Melissa Burton is a nominee of Elle's 2019 Women of Influence. If you haven't heard of her, you may have seen the award-winning documentary, Period, End of Sentence, featured on Netflix which has had a major impact in the way we talk about periods and providing women sanitary products. She's also the proud founder of The Pad Project, an organization that aims to end period stigma and empower women worldwide. With so much acclaim, it's easy to assume that an organization has certainly accomplished its goals and did so easily. But Melissa is here to show us that even in the midst of the spotlight, a founder is still faced with the same challenges and decisions as the rest of us. I believe the largest takeaway from our conversation can be summed up into one simple sentiment. Alone, we can do so little, but together we can do so much. Without further ado, let's go to that interview. Melissa, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's such an honor to be here with you talking about your project. I'm sure that this year has been quite the whirlwind for you. Definitely has. (laughs) Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so let's dive in. For those that are just tuning in that are like, who is this Melissa person? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So my name is Melissa Burton, and I'm a high school English teacher. But I find myself on this podcast because I recently produced a film with my students and other people called Period, End of Sentence, which won the 2019 Academy Award for Best Documentary Short. And we began a nonprofit called The Pad Project. And the mission of The Pad Project is to create and cultivate local and global partnerships to end period stigma and to empower women worldwide. So what was the inspiration or the driving force behind starting the nonprofit? after you did the whole documentary? Well, it actually is sort of the other way around. So what happened was that in um, 2013, I guess seven years ago now, I traveled with a group of my um, high school students to the United Nations, where the students were serving as delegates to the Annual Commission on the Status of Women. And there we learned about the plight of girls in school dropping out of school due to lack of access to feminine products, pads, And we were ashamed at our lack of knowledge at this subject. And also, at the same time, we learned about an Indian man, an inventor named Murugananthum, who had made a low-cost machine that would produce pads at an affordable price and also provide a microeconomy for the women operating the machine. And so my students and I convened in our hotel room last night, we were all, or that night, rather, and we were all together, and we thought, a, we committed ourselves to sending one of Murugananthu's machines to our partner school in a rural village in India. And at the same time, we determined that we were going to film the process because our idea was if we could just make a kind of docu- a small documentary film that maybe we could show to other schools and other people around the world, then 
then we could shed light on this human rights issue. And of course, we had no idea how hard it was to make a documentary. And we had no idea how much money it cost to make a documentary. So we got back to our school community. Um, we talked to people. And we learned that to make a even the most basic documentary on the most shoestring of budgets, it would be fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars. And we were like, "Whoa, how can we do that?" But we determined that we were going to do that, and we can get to that story later on. But to circle back to your nonprofit question, we determined at the time that we would start a nonprofit, the Pad Project, dedicated to the idea that a period should end a sentence, not a girl's education. So we. We began the work of setting up a nonprofit, filing for our 501c3 status at the same time that we were fundraising for the film so that people who contributed to the documentary could know that they were contributing to this nonprofit. And while all that was getting started, the Feminist Majority Foundation um, offered to be our fiscal sponsor. So that helped pave our way, if that answered your question. Yes, that's amazing. And... For those listening, we'll talk about fiscal sponsors in a different episode, so you'll learn what it is. But essentially, it's another organization that comes in to help you financially fulfill what you're trying to do. And they also kind of take a little bit of the credit as well in doing so, which can be really helpful depending on the urgency of your project. Absolutely. Um, So what does your nonprofit do? I mean, I know we kind of covered it a little bit. Right. So... What we do is essentially we're known, I don't know how many listeners might have seen the movie period, end of sentence, but it documents the installation of a pad making machine in a rural village in India. And what we do is help other communities to acquire pad machines at the time. And a pad making machine, the advantage, just to be super clear, is that it provides pads for less money than they would be sold at a store. It also takes away the stigma or the shame of buying pads where in some countries that's considered a very taboo subject. So you wouldn't you wouldn't buy a pad from the store. You might not have the money to buy a pad from the store. And it also employs um, a number of women who are working at the machine. So what we do is try to replicate that model, that story, in the documentary and other communities that want a machine. So since the Oscar win for period end of sentence and its release on Netflix, we have received um, over 17,000 emails emails from 94 countries on every continent and requests for pad machines from many countries in Africa, all over India, South Asia, uh, Mexico, South America. So the demand, even um, in America, we've had a request for pad machines in some communities. So it's just, it's really overwhelming. And I should also say that we don't just do um, pad machines. We Right now we're working with a community in Sierra Leone where 500 young women are making cloth reusable pads with sewing machines and supplying their community that way. We support Diva Cups, basically anything that can empower women and make them feel that their period is, is not going to hold them back in any way. Incredible. So what does success look like for you and your nonprofit? Great question. So I think we're already feeling 
humbled and successful just by the sheer fact that that spotlight of the Oscar stage has sparked a global conversation about menstruation. And for that alone, we feel really proud and successful. And I think success in the coming years would be to see that we can responsibly help partner with villages around the world to work on a menstrual health management program that can make women, enable women to feel that they can participate as full and equal citizens in their community. And thinking about, you know, what skills did you bring to the table based on your background? I know, you know, some of our listeners don't know your background. So you came in as a teacher into this nonprofit world. So what skills did you bring to the table? And did you have any sort of kind of learnings that you had along the way about becoming a founder? So much learning. And I think that every teacher knows that really to be a teacher is to be a student. And the best teachers, I think, learn with and along with their students. And I learned how to be a student all over again because... I didn't know, you know, my world is, you know, the scarlet letter and Wuthering Heights and what's happening in Chapter 18 and where's the climax. My world is not, you know, how many, what's the price point for a pad for 400 women with a machine producing 26,000 pads or how do you set up a 501c3 and what does a board mean? I didn't know any of these questions. And so... The fact that I was a student, again, in an odd way, gave me a a lot of power and permission because my ignorance and my naivete was freeing in a way because I just kept going. And I think because I was working with high school students who were so passionate and so appealing in their passion, you couldn't deny them. And so... When we would talk about this to people, people wanted to pitch in. People wanted to lend their services, their expertise, their funds, their know-how, because I think most people understand the value of what it is for um, a girl to have an education and to be treated like a full citizen. And men, women, everyone really rallied behind. And so I was very lucky in that sense. Yeah, I know it's quite difficult jumping into something totally new. And to quote a quote currently on the wall of the room we're in, be brave enough to suck at something new. I love that. <laughs> that's nice. That's that's a quote from our director of experiential learning, Fu Tranchi, here at Oakwood School. And he has been a tremendous help and, and facilitator of the PAD project for students. So speaking of sucking at something new, what was, do you feel like the most difficult aspect about being a founder and the most rewarding? The most difficult aspect from my particular vantage point was the same as the most rewarding one, which is to say that you're dealing with a lot of different personalities and a lot of different people with many different skill sets. And as the central person. So for me, I was, there were the people involved with making the film on the one hand, the high school students who were leading the charge on the other hand. And if there's three and fourth hand, there was the school administration, there was the world of negotiating the nonprofits with legal work and accountants that needed to be consulted. 
There were the Feminist Majority Foundation, who I mentioned, which was our fiscal sponsor. So there were, and of course, there were the people in India and our actual partnership and what we were doing on the ground there. And so every single person who represented all of these different entities had their own wisdom and talent, yet that sometimes was at cross cross points with somebody else's wisdom and, or talent or way of going about it. So to sort of include everyone's different viewpoints while at the same time trying not to have anybody step on anyone's toes was, I think, the most challenging, but also in the end, the most rewarding, because I think at bottom, we all knew we were committed to the same mission and the same ideal. And ultimately, it worked out. But I I think that was the biggest challenge. Yeah, definitely. It's always difficult, you know, especially I feel like with nonprofit projects themselves, everyone is so passionate. That's why they're in it. Yes. So everyone has an opinion of what everything should look like. You know, it's just important to remember it's coming from a place of love and because people care. So how do you manage being a founder and working on other projects, other jobs? It is hard. I am am exhilarated. Um, I will have to see how I can manage everything because any teacher also knows that being a full-time English teacher is not a job you leave in the classroom. You're coming home, you're grading papers, you're talking to students, you may be dealing with other dramas. And so at the same time, though, um, being a a founder of a nonprofit is a full-time job because there's always something new and challenging and worthwhile coming in your inbox and in your email or calling you on the phone. And so, um, and where we work mostly right now is with India. And so I usually wake up in the morning and talk to India because our morning is their night and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I talk to India in the morning, come to school during the day, and then in the evening, I'm on with my um, partners and my and our uh, one-person staff in India who's wonderful. His name is Gaurav Sharma. So busy. Yes, busy. I feel so, that. <laughs> but we'll figure it all out. We'll figure it all out. And a book is coming out, so we're very excited about that. The author of The Red Tent, which some of your listeners who might know that book, she wrote The Red Tent, which was on the New York Times bestseller list for many, many years. And it was one of the first books to talk openly about menstruation. It's sort of um, a story of Genesis from the point of view of the women. And they gather in the red tent during the time of their periods and, and tell their stories. So we're super excited to partner with her. And the book is coming out from Scribner um, and Simon & Schuster in 2021. All right. Yeah. So we're on the road to the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Book next. So we're we're very excited. And the book will probably be called Period End of Sentence as well. So yeah. you'll have a whole set. <laughs> yeah, we have a set. Something it's easier to carry than a film. Yes. <laughs> I know managing being a founder and doing other things, like most founders especially right when you're starting up, you know, they have their full-time, part-time jobs, plus being a founder, which is a full-time job in and of itself. So it's always nice to hear. (laughs) It's hard for everyone. It's okay. No, it's nice. I love the focus of your podcast because like me, no matter how much work it is, you're hooked. You don't want to, there's no way you would want to give it up because it's, it's where your passion is. So definitely back to your nonprofit. I know 
some of our listeners are looking to set up internationally. You know, what was that process like for you working internationally? It's still challenging. And to be quite honest, we're still figuring it out. We have, as I said, a one full-time staff member um, who is our global program lead in India, and he is a magical person. And we're hoping that as we grow our organization, we can have more staffing in different parts of the world. Gaurav Sharma is located in Delhi in India. But as we're doing more programs on the ground in um, Kenya, Uganda, it's going to be important that we have um, staff members there. So it's a matter, I think, of getting our infrastructure sound, figuring out how we can do that with our budget, you know, and and just trying to understand what we can do. You know, I think we have to go slowly and carefully. Yeah. Of course. And if you're able to share, how how were you able to connect with these partners internationally, people that were interested in the same things you were? So we have, because of making the film in um, India, we had the great good fortune that one of our producers is Gunit Manga, who is a uh, powerhouse and an award-winning filmmaker herself, most famously perhaps for The Lunchbox, which was the highest-grossing foreign film of all time. And that, actually, the connection to Ganit happened through one of those kismity things that we were talking about. One of our one of our students, whose mother is a filmmaker, met with Ganit at a film festival in Zurich, Switzerland. Ganit Manga was back in town in L.A. visiting... And uh, Stacy's daughter, Maggie, said, oh, we're trying to make this film in India, but we don't know how to get a film crew in India. Help. I'll help you. So she and it was like this. (laughs) That was like, whoa, that was everything. So she is the person who happened to know of Gaurav, who had worked in the nonprofit space for many years who really wanted to take this on and is close to the village where we put the pad machine. So so I'd say with that, we got lucky. I'd say for other people looking to hire internationally or expand, I think that probably organically with whatever cause, your mission, your nonprofit is doing, you're likely already in communication with people on the ground. And then you'll you'll start to see who's really following through or who's showing up. And then those people might be the people to sort of get in there. Yeah. And I think it speaks so much to knowing your network. You might not know someone directly that is interested in your cause or is interested in, you know, working so hard for the same nonprofit that you are but they might know somebody who is. 100%, so it's so yes. important to reach out to your circles and ask them to share your message because some you know this is the perfect story. You might <laughs> you might run into exactly who you're looking for. Yes. What was the process of fundraising? How's that been for you and your organization? I know you have kind of the special blessing of of having the documentary kind of alongside your organization, but aside from that, how has fundraising been for you? A blessing is a nice word for it. And we really, because of the platform that the Oscar stage has given us and that win, we have been very lucky in the sense that while our influx of funds has been small, 
in the sense that they come from somebody watching the film in Brazil and donating what would be the equivalent of $10 U.S. or somebody in Africa, same thing, because Netflix is able to show the film in almost every language in every country. So in terms of volume, you know, it was just like this avalanche in our inbox of all these small donations, which certainly added up and gave us enough money to to begin. We yeah. still haven't gone after the kind of grant that would enable us right now to to really sustain to say that we could sustain as a nonprofit for two or three years. I feel like we're still we're still new and that's the next step. So I think what that notoriety that spotlight um, from the Oscars gave us was this this seed money where we could like start and launch and now we are looking into doing impact studies and the kind of thing that will lead to long-term larger institutional grants that that might really help us grow the pad project and have the pad project sustain in a way that'll yeah yeah, that's incredible. And I know we don't all <laughs> have a have an award winning no. documentary to start out. So, you know, it's interesting knowing like what is going on around you that you can kind of leverage to to get more attention towards the work that you're doing, because donations are such a huge part of sustaining your organization. And I think that your nonprofit is the perfect example of that. Right. What the power of what other people can do. You don't just have to count on grants, but just community. Yeah. Awareness. And even and I would say just to turn that around too, not to sound depressing, but like you would think, oh, the Oscar, you're set. But yeah. yet we still have to you know, that it's not set. Like, it's a great thing. And I should, I want to give a big shout out to Sorel Cohen, who is our um, development associate. And and we were able to hire her right away. And she's somebody who had gone to school for nonprofit management. And she has been helping me to learn how you go about this world, which really is very new to me still. And so she's helping us get our operational footing and and figure it out. Yeah, and I mean, maybe I take a different point of view on things, but I certainly think it's so important to have an eye on your donations. The grants are wonderful, but they're also fleeting. So if you depend on that for your organization solely and it's gone, you kind of end up in a spiral. So it's, you know, I think it's an interesting, yeah. interesting Good balance. I'm yeah. learning from you. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, I could see that, 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 how that would be the case. Yeah. And there's some really great TED Talks out there on nonprofits. If you literally just Google TED Talk nonprofit, you'll come up with a few of them. And a lot of them really point back to engaging your community. It's not just applying mm-hmm. for a wonderful, amazing grant because uh, that only lasts so long. Yeah. I mean, definitely do it. The money will help, but uh, don't make that your only angle. You know, don't put all your eggs in that basket. And I would say what's been the uh, new and different thing, though I'm sure to many of you it's not, but for us what's is engage young people, I think, just because it's it's the high school students and their energy sort of leading this charge. So even if, you know, people who are 15, 14, 16 aren't going to maybe have the biggest pocketbooks themselves, they have the passion and they're able to talk to people, I think. And so 
I think um, definitely look to youth organizations who might be passionate about your cause because they may hold a fundraiser or energize a base. Yeah, definitely. And so kind of jumping on that, do you feel like using social media has had an impact on that? I see you smiling. <laughs> yes, and that is something I've had to learn. The my students were sweet. They're I call them my students, but now they're you know in graduate school and college because they started this with me seven years ago, and you know it was just us doing this, and I'm like not so fast on Facebook. They're cringing every time I'm trying to upload something. And of course, Facebook is for the old folk now and they do the Instagram and the, but I still try, still try and tell them Facebook is important. But anyway, they, they're in charge. They're running our social media now. And, uh, I said, okay, I'm not gonna, you know, thinking this might hurt their feelings. I'm not gonna post anything anymore. And they're like, thank God, Melissa. Oh my God. <laughs> because I don't know what I'm doing. But they do. And it's so important. I think that I'm, that is everything. So you just have to keep your voice out there and people get used to it. And I think the special double edge with periods is that there is a taboo in the United States, it's still taboo. So to be kind of loud and proud about periods is like, ew, I don't want to read a post about this. But then you're like, wait a minute, though, isn't this what we're combating? So I think that makes it especially important for the PAD project to be posting and engaging people to sort of destigmatize any quote unquote ickiness about periods. Yeah, and I'm I'm personally constantly standing on my little soapbox asking Yay. people, please engage in social media. It is so incredible. I feel like it allows, you know, a nonprofit organization to not just seem like an organization, but something that you can relate to and engage with and have conversation around. So I feel like there's a little bit of magic in social media and being able to connect with people. Seems to me like, at least for our own organization, you you couldn't really, I don't know how you could survive without it necessarily. Yeah. And it allows you, like you were saying, with the generations coming up that are so interested in all these social issues to get involved and, and meet them where they're at. Yeah. And it's very creative, um, the posts that they people mm-hmm. do. Yeah. So I know you kind of talked about your nonprofit success. So what is the one greatest accomplishment you feel like you've accomplished so far? If you could even pick one. I do feel like I'm I know I'm repeating what I said earlier, but I do feel like the biggest accomplishment is just to have had the persistence to stick with making this documentary that led to a moment where there were however many million, billion people watching. I don't know what the audience is for the Academy Awards. But to talk about periods on an Oscar stage that would then go ahead and spark a global conversation about menstruation, I think is a tipping point that I feel proudest of. Not because of that moment, but all that came before it and all that might come after it. So, yeah. And any words of advice for someone thinking about starting a nonprofit or kind of right in the middle of that journey? I would say trust. Believe in your mission and your truth. For us, it was a period should end a sentence, not a girl's education. And we were so convinced of the justice of that idea. And I'm sure for people out there who are 
working for whatever your mission is, I know you probably believe so much in your core truth. And I think that commitment to your truth will shine. And I think you can hold to that and then trust that the support will come. People, you know, it's like that line from the movie a long time ago, uh, the field or uh, field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. There you go. So I think if, if you believe in your truth and if you trust, others will come and support. Amazing. And so for more information, where can listeners connect with you or your organization to learn more about your work? Great. We have a Facebook page that's the Pad Project. Pad Project is on Instagram and also uh, www.thepadproject.org. Awesome. So I just want to say thank you so much for, for having us and for allowing me to speak with you about your journey and share some of your wisdom. I feel like everyone always has something to add about you know, what their process has been with this. So Well, thank thanks. you. And I look forward to following your journey as well. <laughs> I think we should, sure. we should all be so lucky to have a moment where we it. can it's really true. talk about, you know, what our goals are as a community and what we're working towards in the world. Rock so on. thank you. Okay. Thanks, Jennifer. Huge shout out to Melissa for taking the time to speak with me in her incredibly busy schedule. If you'd like to learn more about The Pad Project, be sure to check out those links she mentioned at thepadproject.org. And I highly recommend checking out Period End of Sentence on Netflix. It is an absolutely incredible documentary. Thanks again for listening to Founder Files. Tune in on Sundays for new episodes and check out our blog at www.walkingwithgiants.com forward slash founderfiles. files.